0: Hi, my name is Steve Warren, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I'm believing today you'll be filled with faith, you'll be energized by hope, and you'll feel loved as this message seeks to transform and empower your life. God bless you as you listen
1: to this. We build it together, so that's uh, that's incredible. Before we dive into the Word, let's all close our eyes, open our hearts. Thank you, God, that today you want to do more than Uh, speak information to us. Thank you that there's something you want to speak to our hearts. Thank you, God, that today what you want to do is not just information, not just facts and tips, but there's transformation. God, I just pray right now that when we look at your word, that you speak to our hearts. God, thank you that you love us as we are, but you love us so much that you also want to work with us. Thank you that you have a plan for us. You've got a design for us. Thank you that you go the journey with us. So, God, today I pray that you speak to us as we open our hearts. Why, just, why don't you open your heart today and open it up to what God wants to say to you. Thank you, God, that you have something specific for each and every one of us. Right where we are. You meet us right where we are. No one's too far away. No one's out of reach. Thank you that you speak to us where we are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks band. Let's give the band a hand. You are awesome. Um, Did you ever, who likes spicy food? Do you have any friends who like spicy food? Like, oh, this is this is the difference between the English service with all the internationals and the Dutch service. Like in the in the Dutch service, like three people raised their hands when I asked who likes spicy food. And here everyone goes, yeah, I like spicy food. So, yeah, I made a rookie mistake yesterday. I, um, uh, I wanted to make some food, so I was cutting uh, chili peppers. And uh, I, I, I wasn't wearing gloves. I know, rookie mistake. But I used really hot peppers so that the... You know the pepper the the oil the the seeds it stayed on my hands. You know it stays on your hands? You need to really wash your hands. You need to really really do the work to make sure that the pepper really comes off your hands. Like people are looking at me. They're already you're already judging me for not putting on gloves when cutting peppers. I can see it. But um yeah, so in, in the evening, uh, we were at a party, Anton and I were at a party. It was uh, a cousin's 50th birthday, so we were there, and my, my contact lenses started getting really dry. <laughs> so here I go with my chili pepper hands in my eye, trying to get my contact lens out, and I regretted it from that moment <laughs> immediately, burning eyes. So that's why I'm wearing, uh, that's why I'm, why I'm wearing my glasses today. <laughs> so you know why Uh, i'm really i'm really excited that we're uh starting a new series today called trash your bible trash your bible um who knows it's good to trash your bible not not to throw it on the ground and stand on it and do do all that sort of stuff but to really trash the contents to really take what's in the bible and um and read it and think about it and really digest it so that's what we're going to do these three weeks so on your seat there's a there's a bookmark, um, and it says your th- Bible, and there's uh, three QR codes on there. So what we're going to do as a church is that we're going to do three Bible plans. One, uh, in week one, we're going to look at Mark, the book of Mark. Week two, we're going to look at the book of Ephesians. And the third week, we're going to look at the book of Romans. Together, um, you, if, you, if you do a screenshot, if you go to these QR codes, if you go to that link, It'll take you to your version, the Bible app, where there's a plan, a seven-day plan that will take you through the, the book of Mark, and we're going to do that together as a church. So these, these weeks, we really want to dive into the Bible, because uh, who knows that God still speaks through His Word, um, and we need to get into His Word, get His Word in us, uh, so that we can really see transformation happen. So that's what we're going to do in these next couple of weeks. I'm really excited about it, um, and Treasure Bible is not our creative idea we didn't come up with that word. There's an organization called Treasure Bible. And we're actually selling the Treasure Bible Bibles uh, in church the, the coming weeks. So if you want one of those Bibles, it's a study Bible. Um, then you can, um, you can order one or get one at the info point. So just ask one of our hosts with a hoodie on. Ask them, hey, I want one of those Bibles. It's going to help you. You can go to their website as well, Treasure Bible and um, lots of study plans, Bible plans, and a lot of helpful material, um, so that these coming weeks we can really dive into the Word of God, and it's really going to help us. Amen? So talking about Treasure Your Bible, the first uh, 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 part of the series, uh, we're going to look at how to read your Bible. So today's title, if you're making notes, is how to read your Bible. Um, <clears throat> so you can open up your Bible, you can... Grab your Bible, you can grab your notebook and say how to read your Bible. Uh, before we go to the actual good tips, I want to give you some ways how not to read your Bible first. So the first, how not to read your Bible. Four ways how not to read your Bible. Uh, and the first one is only read what feels good. All right? So how not to read your Bible, point one is only read what feels good. Right, And no one here will admit that you only read what feels good. But there are certain scriptures that we all know. Like if you go to Psalm 23 every day, the Lord is my shepherd. You no, know, it's fine if you just go there. But if that's the only thing you read, um, you're missing so much of what God is trying to communicate throughout the whole story of the Bible. Um, so it's really important that we don't just read what feels good. Right? Who would ever eat just what feels good? Like Don't look around, you don't have to look around, because we know that if you only eat what feels good, if you only eat what you feel like, you're not going to end up looking great. <laughs> it's going to have an effect on your whole physique, uh, if you only eat what feels good, what you feel like. Uh, so it's important when we eat that we ha- actually you know, maintain a healthy diet, that we eat everything that we need to eat, that we eat enough vegetables, that we eat enough fruit, that we eat enough carbs, that we eat all of these things enough because um, otherwise we'll end up looking terrible and overweight and and all of that uh, and it, it's the same with the bible if we just read what feels good that will have an effect on our spiritual life as well uh, we won't end up spiritually healthy and we won't be transformed in the way that god wants to transform us because we won't understand everything about him so my second point of how to not read your bible is disregard context Point number two, tip number two of how not to read your Bible is disregard context. Context doesn't matter. You you probably know I'm talking to the English crowd here. Um, The words I'm sorry and my bad are are quite similar, right? They're they're quite similar phrases, expressions, I'm sorry, my bad, unless you're at a funeral. Because then (laughs) suddenly they mean completely different things, right? If you say, I'm sorry, that's quite normal in a funeral. But if you go to a funeral, say my dad, <laughs> that's another tip. Don't do that. <laughs> and don't do that because context matters. Like you, do you have a friend? You don't have to point your finger to your friend. Do you have a friend that when you're talking to another friend and you're talking about a certain topic and you've been talking for a while, that friend suddenly barges into the conversation might they might be triggered by something they hear and they and they suddenly jump into the conversation right do, do you know that have you ever had that that someone just barges into your conversation uh just in the middle of it i'm, I'm a bit like that person like certain words might trigger me and i might dive into a conversation and it's on saying yes very loud because <laughs> i do right i know i do i i think i'm I think I have something to contribute to the conversation if I hear a word that I'm, I know something about. right? I think I know what the topic is about, I, I think I know what we're talking about. So I try to barge into the conversation and add value, right? that's what I think. <laughs> but the truth is I don't know what they were talking about. They might have been talking for like 15, 20, 30 minutes and discussed a whole range of topics that I missed and now suddenly I want to get into the conversation and I missed the whole context Uh, and it just gets weird and awkward and i start filling in blanks of things that they've been talking about and i don't know right and it's a bit the same if we disregard the context of the bible because actually what the bible is it's written by all these authors and they had an idea in mind of what they wanted to communicate so if you disregard the context you're disregarding uh, so many things that they're trying to communicate so tip number two of how not to read your bible is disregard context uh, the third point is: Don't how not to read your Bible is to use the Bible to judge uh, to justify yourself. Don't use the Bible to justify yourself, right? Uh, there's this story of a of a man and his son, and um, the son really wanted a bike, and and his and, and his dad knew that. So suddenly, a dad comes home from work. The dad comes home from work and. Um, when he walks into his front yard, he sees that there's a bike there, like a new bike. Uh, so he walks up and his son says, yeah, I got, I got my new bike. And his dad says, how did, what happened? Can you, can you tell me what happened? How how did you get the new bike? So he said, yeah, first. So the son says, first I wanted to pray about it. I wanted to ask God, uh, to, to give me a new bike, right? I wanted to ask God to give me a new bike, but I know God doesn't work like that. So. I stole a bike and now I'm asking God for forgiveness because God is a God who forgives, (laughs) right? So we, so we take things out of context. We use God's character. We use his word to justify things that we do that are not in line with how God wants us to be or how God wants us to live. So don't use the Bible to justify yourself. And, and the last one, point number four of how not to read your Bible is tick the Bible box, right? Just get it out of the way. Read your Bible, get it out of the way, you've done the work, you can move on with life, tick the Bible box. The Bible was never meant as a ticks-the-box exercise. Like, okay, done, read my chapter, read my three or four or five minutes, and now I'm done, I can move on with life. The, the, way, the, the, the relationship that God is after with us is an ongoing relationship. God wants a living relationship with us. He wants his word to be alive in us. Um, so actually if you look at the bible what it it was meant to do is that it we're meant to keep it with us during the day read it reflect think about it and and think about it a little bit more Um, so that's four tips of how not to read the bible i hope that's useful what we're going to look at now is is why read the bible right because the bible maybe you might have been a christian for all of your life or you might have just become a new christian um, the Bible is not trivial. right? It has just a raise of hands. Who has ever found it difficult to read your Bible? Right? Most hands go up. Because, just, just honest, it is. The Bible is difficult. It's a difficult book written by so many different authors with different literary styles, um, with layers and layers of meaning. It's not an easy book to read. Uh, and if we find it difficult, that makes sense. Uh, so I think we should all take some comfort at the fact that most people raise their hands when they say it's difficult to read your Bible, right? It's difficult. You need a bit of, you need to push through and you need to keep on doing it. And sometimes you don't understand it immediately. But the Bible is difficult to read. So, so why read it? Right? Why keep on reading? Why bother if it's this difficult? Um, because it's God's word, right? It, it does something for us. And I want to look with you to Second Timothy 3. For sixteen and seventeen. So, if you have your Bible, you can go there. Second Timothy three. There it says, "All Scripture is God breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work." All Scripture—that means all part of the Bible, all parts of the Bible, even the genealogies and the law and all the boring bits that you might find boring, all of it is God-breathed. And, and that word, God-breathed, is actually a very, very specific word that Paul uses. There are a couple of instances in the Bible where God breathes on something. Right? The first instance where God breathes on something is with Adam, the first man. Uh, God breathes, he makes Adam, and then he breathes life into him. And every time that God breathes, uh, it's connected to life. Life follows wherever God breathes. Life follows. So when when Paul is saying to Timothy, "All Scripture is God breathed," that means that when you read the Bible, actually life you get life out of it. You get life out of it. All the Scripture is filled with God's breath. So it's really important to read it because that's the source. It's a source of life. Um, Another instance where God breathes is is found in Ezekiel thirty-seven, where the prophet stands in a valley of dry bones. And Ezekiel is asked to prophesy over the bones. And the bones stand up. They, you know, they get... They, they stand up. They're joined together. The, the joints grow. And then Ezekiel is asked to, to breathe. And the breath of God comes on the bones and they come back to life. Right? So every time we read that God breathes, uh, and, and when Paul is saying to Timothy, the scriptures are God breathed, that means that there's life in them. Uh, so when we read the scriptures... We come alive. And you might not notice it immediately, but there's life in in the Bible. Uh, Even the bits that are difficult. Even the bits that you might find boring at first. But there's life in them. Um, And it's it's useful for training, rebuking, correcting. And I say, I I wrote my own scripture. And I I think I, oh, teaching, training, rebuking, and correcting. Um, And it prepares us for righteousness. So what the Bible does is it prepares us to live a life that God wants us to live and that he's calling us to, right? He's equipping us for every good work, thoroughly equipping us for every good work. So when we read the Bible, God is actually preparing us. God is shaping us. He's teaching us. He's rebuking us, correcting us, training us. That's why it's useful to read it together, right? So you can actually talk about the bits and pieces that you find difficult. So that you actually, you position yourself in an environment where someone can say to you, hey, maybe you're thinking about something wrong, or maybe you're living out something in a way that God never intended you to live it out. Yeah. Right? So that's why it's useful to read your Bible together, so you can actually say to each other, hey, this is what the Bible says. This is what God's purpose is. This is what his plan is. This is how he meant it to be. Um, so that's, that's why we read the Bible and it equips us for every good work, right? There's something that God has prepared us for. God has designed us. We believe in this church that God designed us, that God has a plan for us. And if we read the Bible, if we uh, emerge in his word, if we immerse ourselves in his word, we position ourselves in a way that we actually say, hey, God, I want to be equipped for what you want to do with my life. I want to be equipped. I I want you to prepare me. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. So when we read the Bible, we get life, We get trained, we get equipped. John 8 says this, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if you read my word, if you abide in my word, if you hold to my teaching, uh, then you're my disciples. So not if you come to church, but if you, if you hold to my teaching, then you are my disciples. So that means that we gotta know what Jesus taught, and then we gotta do what Jesus taught, right? So we gotta be in his word, we gotta read the gospels, because we gotta know what Jesus' teachings are so we can hold to them. And then Jesus says, then you are my disciples. And he also says, then you will know the truth. We live in, an, in, in the information age right now, there's so much information. Um, there are so many opinions, and opinions seem, seem more contradictory than ever, right? The, the left and the right are further apart than ever, and, and people's opinions are, are further apart than ever before, I feel. So how much more important is it to know the truth? How much more important is it to find a place of truth? Uh, and you actually find it in your Bible. I know I'm pointing like this. This is not my Bible. This is just my notes, um, but it makes sense and the truth will set you free so there's actually a bit of liberation a bit of freedom when we read the bible it'll point us to freedom it'll point us to jesus Um, psalm 119 uh, verse 105 says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light on my path when do you need a light when do you need a lamp right when it's dark you need a lamp when it's dark Um, and, and what, what the writer of this psalm is saying is that the word of God is like a lamp. It's dark outside, but the word guides us. It, it shows us the steps that we are taking and shows us which steps to take. It shows us which direction to go because it says it's a light on my path. It shows me the right way. Um, and in a world where so many people have an opinion about how you live your life, the Word of God shows you which steps to take, and it shows you which way to go. So that's why it's so important to, to be in the Word, right? Even though it's difficult, it gives us life, it equips us for the life God is calling us to, and it shows us the way to go. Uh, so we need to be in the Word. Um, but it is difficult, right? So, so because it's difficult, but also we know that it's important, we've got to learn how to read the Bible. We, we need to know how to read this book because it is not trivial, uh, and, and if it contains life, and if it prepares us to do all these things, then we need to learn how to read it, right? Not, not everything that is in the Bible needs to be acted out, right? There's a lot of stories in the Bible uh, and a lot of characters in the Bible that make a lot of mistakes that we should not replicate. But first, we need to know what is it that we need to do and what is it that we need to learn from. So we've got to know how to read the Bible. Uh, we've got to know all these different types of literature and all these different types of writings all these different authors and that makes it difficult but that that means that we need to spend more time in it so my heart really is that this series helps you to understand the bible to understand the story of the bible uh, and to help you read your bible in your own time and together in your group so what we want to do now is look at a video uh, by uh, a, an organization called bible project they make videos on how to read the bible They make videos on specific themes that you find in Christianity or in the Bible. Um, So I'm really believing that this video will help you see the bigger picture of the Bible, right? Because if we know the bigger picture of the Bible, we will understand the smaller parts that we read from day to day better. Uh, And I believe that when we understand the bigger storyline of the Bible, that will help us navigate through life. It will also help us navigate through the Bible, my, my heart, my, my finding is really that the more I understand the Bible, the more I want to understand it. Right? The more I understand what's written in the Bible, the more I get passionate. And the easier it gets to dive into it and to understand it. And that means I'll only encounter more things that I don't understand. Right? It's, not, it's not. Understanding of the Bible is not linear. You come across all these things that are difficult. But that's the way the Bible was meant to be. It was never meant as a sort of um, living for dummies book like 10 steps to live your life but it was meant to read it reflect on it think about it think about what it means for you ask for help (laughs) talk about it together that's how the bible is meant to 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 be read so when we look at this video about the bigger story of the bible i i really hope that it helps you
2: the bible is an important book
3: but it's really long yeah, it's a collection of many books written over a long period of time, but altogether they tell one unified story.
2: So, what's the story of the Bible?
3: Well, it begins by introducing us to a beautiful mind, the author of all reality, a being called God. And he has the power to take the dark chaos of the uncreated world and bring about order and beauty and a garden full of life.
2: And to crown this accomplishment, God appoints
3: these creatures called humanity, or in Hebrew, Adam. And they are made as God's image. Which means that they are commissioned to rule this beautiful world on God's behalf by harnessing all of its potential and creating even more beauty and order. This is a story about humans using their power to do meaningful, life-giving work. But the question is, how? Yeah, humanity now faces a choice that is represented by a fruit tree. So, humans could partner with God and find freedom by trusting in his knowledge of good and evil. Or they could seize power and define good and evil on their own, which, God warns, will kill them.
2: And they hear the voice of a dark, mysterious creature that tells them the choice is simple, take the fruit. It'll give you power and freedom to rule the world on your own terms.
3: And so they seize this knowledge and as a result they become suspicious and self-protective. It leads to fractured relationships, violent power grabs, and ultimately a whole civilization, Babylon, that has redefined evil as good. And so, God scatters this corrupted human project.
2: And here the story of the Bible takes an important turn. We zoom in to the story of a man and a woman who come out of Babylon, Abraham and Sarah.
3: Yeah, God promises that from them will come a new people. A nation that has another chance to make the right choice. And if they succeed, it will open up this new way forward for the rest of humanity. And this is why the rest of the Bible story is about this family. And it does not go well. Despite God's personal guidance, Abraham's family gives in to that same temptation to redefine good and evil on their own terms, apart from God.
2: Even when their best people were in charge, rulers who loved God's guidance and had divine wisdom, even they gave in.
3: And so Israel was warned by their own prophets that these choices would lead them back to Babylon, this time as conquered captives living in exile. And that's exactly what happened.
2: So even with God's personal guidance, Israel fails.
3: Who can succeed? Well, the prophet said that the story wasn't over. God's going to send a new leader to Israel to cover for their failures and to transform the people's hearts and minds so that they can make the right choice. And so the part of the
2: Bible called the Old Testament ends, and these promises are left hanging. And
3: then the biblical story continues into the New Testament. We're introduced to a man who comes from the line of Israel's kings, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said that he was bringing all these promises to their completion.
2: He confronted that dark, mysterious evil that all humanity has given into
3: and resisted its power. And then he announced that God had arrived to rule the world through himself. Jesus taught about God's definition of good and evil and he said that real power is serving others. According to Jesus, it is people who love the poor and even love their enemies. These are the kinds of people who actually rule the world. That is confusing, but also really beautiful. And So is the claim that the story goes on to make about Jesus. That he is God become human. To be for Israel and for all humanity what we could never be for ourselves. He came to take the consequences of our evil into himself. And his sacrificial love proved more powerful than evil, than even death itself.
2: So now humanity is presented with a new choice. Represented
3: by a new tree. Stick with the old way of being human or venture into this new way. And in the story, those who choose the way of Jesus find themselves energized by God's own power people who know that they are loved and forgiven by God can become people who love and forgive others in return.
2: The Jesus movement quickly spread throughout the world, forming these new communities of people who follow the way of Jesus.
3: But they faced problems. There was persecution from the outside by people in power, and inside there was confusion, even compromise. Yeah, because following Jesus is really hard. And so the movement's leaders, called apostles, they wrote letters to comfort and to challenge these communities to stay faithful to the difficult way of Jesus.
2: And they're called to hope for the day when Jesus will
3: come and change everything. And so the Bible ends by pointing to the future day when all wrongs are made right, when evil is eradicated, heaven and earth are united, and humanity can rule the world together in the love and power of God.
2: Okay, so that is the story of the Bible and it brings all of these books together.
3: But what is interesting is that each book contains a different kind of literature that contributes to this story in a unique way. And that is what the next video will begin to explore.
1: Oh, right. That's really helpful. Uh, and, and I, I really c- recommend check out their uh, videos on YouTube. It's very, very helpful. So they have all these videos about how to read all these different um, uh, literary styles in the Bible, for example. Or they, they, um, they dig out or explain certain biblical themes like, like exile or freedom or who is the son of God. And all these things they explain. So I really recommend you watch it. Right, So the first thing, the whole Bible, I think w- what was really beautiful about the, the video is that it really portrays in a really concise way the the storyline of the Bible. How we as humans want to uh, lean on our own wisdom and, and decide what is good for ourselves, whereas God is calling us to trust Him to decide what is good for us uh, and what is good. Uh, and, and how... It points to Jesus, like in the beginning, uh, in the the Old Testament, every time the the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, found that it found it really difficult to to rely on God, to trust God, so they failed, and they followed the nations around them, or they decided what was good for them themselves, right? And and all the prophets, and in all these different books in the prophets, already uh, a Savior was announced. It was said that someone will come. And his kingdom will be everlasting. And then in the, in the New Testament, you, we can read about Jesus' life. And then in, in the epistles of the apostles, they, they point back to Jesus saying, hey, this is the new standard of living. This is actually, he showed what we can live like. So that's really helpful to know that whole storyline of the Bible. Because if we understand the storyline, right, it's easier to understand all the different bits and pieces. So, three, three tips on how to read the Bible, three tips on how to read the Bible. This time, they are true. It's not not how to read the Bible, but how do you read the Bible? So the first tip is read the whole thing. Read the whole thing. Uh, I think many of us haven't read the whole thing, right? And, that, and, and that's okay if you haven't read the whole thing, but go and read the whole thing. Um, I just want to do a quick shout-out to Jamie Baker, who was drumming this morning. He read the Bible in a month. So... Instead of saying, hey, this year I'm going to read the Bible in 2020, he said, no, I'm going, to, I'm going to read the Bible in January. Right? It's, a, it's much better than dry January. <laughs> right? It's a, it's a much better version of, uh, of starting your year well. Um, <clears throat> so whatever you do, read the whole thing. And, and find a way that works for you. Maybe it, 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 it'll take you three years to go through the whole thing. That's fine. If it takes you one year, that's fine. If you need to do it in a month, because otherwise you can't, you can't commit for that long, do it in a month, right? I, I understand. I get bored of Bible plans after two or three weeks as well. So what I did is I just wrote down all the books of the Bible, all 66 books, and I just started crossing them off. So I'd say, okay, now I've done this book. I'm going to go on to another book that I haven't read yet. Uh, and that way I've read the whole Bible in, I think, a year and a half. But do something that works for you. Because we need to understand the whole thing. We need to have read the whole Bible. Because only then we can see the whole storyline. We can actually see the value uh, that the whole story has. Even the things that we find weird. Like, look back at 2 Timothy, the whole scripture. All of scripture is God breathed. Right? We, we need to see the whole Bible. Um, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. right? If you, if you take just a couple of the pieces, you might see part of the picture. But you actually need all the pieces to see the whole picture. Um, so it's really good for us to read the whole bible (laughs) so read the whole thing that's point number one point number two is read it in context read it in context how to read your bible point number two read it in context we already discussed it in the how not to but uh, how to the context is so important if you don't understand the context of a conversation you'll end up looking like a fool like me every time I enter a conversation halfway Um, But it's really important to understand the context of what you're reading. Um, Last week, or the week before, in our group, we uh, spent some time uh, in uh, Luke 15, looking at the story of the prodigal son. And as a a group, we were studying it, so we were looking at the the story of of the prodigal son that many of us know. If you don't know it, read it in Luke 15. And... um, and what we did, we just read through it, took some time, thought about it, asked ourselves the question, okay, what is the story about? What is actually happening? You know, what things light up for you? What do you notice? Is God saying something? What can you learn? And we asked all these questions. And, and it was very helpful. We, we learned all these things about, you know, how God is forgiving and how the father in that story was welcoming when uh, the son, the younger son came back. And, and, and it was a really fruitful time. Uh, up until we decided to read uh, the whole meeting, right? Because Luke 15, uh, the story of the uh, prodigal son is just part of three stories where Jesus is in a house and he's telling three stories. Uh, and then the first story is that uh, a man has a hundred sheep and one got lost. So he left the 99 behind and he went looking for that one sheep, uh, and when he found it, found it, he threw a big party because he was, he was really joyful. He was really happy that he found his lost sheep. And, and the second story is about a woman uh, who lost a silver coin in her house. And she, she tries everything to find it, right? She goes into all the drawers, all the lockers, all the cupboards, even goes under the rug. And she, she, she goes and does all this trouble to find that coin. And when she finds it, she's overjoyed. And then the third story comes where a man has two sons so there's a progression that you'll miss if you don't read all the three stories there's a progression of a hundred sheep ten silver coins and then by far the most valuable that any man could have to two children and one of them got lost and in the first story the owner loses a sheep and he goes looking for it in the second story a woman loses a coin and she goes looking for it and in the third story A son gets lost, and no one goes looking for him. Right, so why? Why does no one go out and look for the younger son? And I think that's exactly the question that Jesus wants us to ask and ponder on when we read these stories, right? And we miss this if we don't read context. And there's another example in in Judges 6 and it's the story of Gideon. And if, do, do, do you know the, study, the, the story of Gideon? And Gideon is one of the judges, and he's being called. And it's, it's this dramatic Hollywood scene where he's on a threshing floor outside on the countryside, and an angel appears to him, right? So it's, it's really like a dramatic Hollywood scene where an angel appears to him and says, Oh, you mighty warrior. And, and Gideon is actually, he doesn't feel like a mighty warrior because he's hiding. Um... And, and, and th- in that story, a couple of times, Gideon asks God for a sign. So this angel comes, an angel appears to him, and he says to the angel, give me a sign. Right? I- I'd say, if there's an angel standing in front of me, that'd be enough. <laughs> right? If God ever sh- sends me an angel, I'd like to believe that the angel <laughs> itself is enough for me, but not for Gideon. Gideon asked for a sign. So the angel gives him the sign. And a bit further on, God calls Gideon to do something specific. And Gideon, God speaking to him personally and specifically is not enough for Gideon. So Gideon says, oh, God, um, I've got this woolen cloth. And God, please give me a sign. I'll lay this wooden cloth on the floor. If you can just make the cloth wet... And keep the ground dry, I'll do what you say, right And God God is gracious, and he, and he does that. And, and then Gideon the next day says, "Oh, thank you God, you're, you're wonderful, but can I just ask you for one more sign? <laughs> this time, when I lay the wooden cloth on the floor, can you just please make the ground wet and keep the cloth dry right and, and if we just read only that one passage of Gideon requiring things of God? there is a possibility that we conclude that it's okay for us to ask God for all these signs, right? Whilst what God is calling us to is an obedience, is a, is a trust, right? God wants us to trust Him and do what He says and, and trust on His understanding and not on our own. So the story of Gideon is not a, Gideon, not a story of, hey, if someone asks you to do something, please just first go out and pray for it, right? If someone asks you to be on team, uh, you don't have to pray about it you can either you can choose do you want to be on team or not you don't have to ask god for a sign to come on a team right and the the same if 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 you're if you have a life question often we can just trust what god has said and do it and we don't have to ask god for all these signs because actually a lot of the things that he is requiring of us a lot of things that god is asking of us to live a good and holy life all these things we can already know we can already trust god we we can just do what he says we can just do what the Bible describes. We don't have to ask God for a sign. So next time, don't, you know, don't put your hoodie on the floor and ask God for, you know, make my hoodie wet, keep the ground dry. We don't have to do all these things. But that's that's a interpretation that we could get from Gideon's story. Whilst the bigger story is that God is trusting us to rely on Him. But even if we don't trust Him, He is still gracious. He will still work with us. Right? He will still make sure that we trust him because a bit later on Gideon is asked to lead the army into a battle and he's got this big army and God is saying to him I want you to cut down the size of the army so send people away so Gideon sends people away and he's asking God okay can I go now can I go into battle and God's saying no send more people away so Gideon ends up with a really small army (laughs) and they have to fight against a really big army and all the times in the past that Gideon did not trust God before. Suddenly he has this small army and has to fight against this big army. He needs to trust God. And, and the story therefore is not, you can ask God for signs and ask him if you're not sure. Ask God for signs. No, the story is, God wants us to trust him. But even if we don't, he's still patient. He's still gracious and he still wants to work with us. So reading the context of stories. Reading the context of our Bible is so important because only then we can actually get the lessons that the authors of the Bible want us to grasp, right? So it's so important to read the context. Um, And the third point, the third thing, uh, the third tip of how to read your Bible is think about what you read. Think about what you read. The Bible was never meant as sort of an encyclopedia, right? When I was young, i really enjoyed reading encyclopedias learning about nature learning about archaeology and history and all these things i was that nerd (laughs) i was that guy the asian reading his encyclopedia but the bible was never meant just as a head-to-head communication like you know it you have to study it and and then get all these laws in your head and actually the god wants to communicate heart to heart He wants to communicate on a deeper level. That's why when we read the Bible, there's all these layers of information. that There's these layers of revelation. That if we dig deeper, that we can understand. But we have to think about what we read. If we just flick through the pages and then move on with life, we'll never see the depth of what God is trying to communicate to us. If we only want to gather information from His Word we never let God do the transformation inside of us and what God is trying to form in us is an identity he's called us to be his people he's invited us into his family the offering the sacrifice that Jesus made made sure that we are now sons and daughters if we accept him as Lord there we're sons and daughters so what God is trying to communicate is hey what 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 does it mean what does it look like to be a son what does it mean what does it look like to be a daughter That's what we get when we read the Bible. We get life, we get transformation when we're in the Word. When, when we're in the Word, and when we let the Word read us, as much as we read it. So we have to stop and think about what it says. Read and reflect. Read and reflect. One of the things that I find interesting is that in the old days, the Bible was read aloud. So people would come to a gathering, they would sing songs. But they would not have a preacher pick out a couple of different scriptures and then explain those scriptures what they would do is actually take a scroll and read the whole scroll like you would come to church and i wouldn't talk and i wouldn't explain what's in here i would just read a whole book of the bible so sometimes the gatherings would take a long time because the scroll can some scrolls can be really long right some scrolls take up to an hour two hours to read so that would be the gathering that's how the bible used to be read just reading out the Bible aloud. So that makes us wonder, okay, if the Bible is just read aloud. Actually, God is trying to communicate to us through His Word. Now, we have to think about it. We have to reflect on it. Um, it's so easy nowadays to just do podcasts and read blogs. Right? And just get sort of second-hand information, which is good. I do that a lot. Right? I, I write them to help you as well. And Pastor Steve and Pastor Lisby write blogs to help you. And our podcast is online to help people. But it's not a replacement of reading God's Word. It's just not. We need to be in the Word of God. Now, I, I'd like to read with you Psalm 1. So if you have your Bible on you, turn to Psalm 1. And it's a, it's a picture of the ideal Bible reader. And it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. What what the author of this psalm is trying to say is that blessed is the one who does not follow the counsel of people who don't love God. That's what it says. It says, who do not walk who does not walk in step with the wicked walking has to do with direction some translations talk about the counsel of the ungodly right so the first one is saying blessed is the one who does not follow the counsel of the ungodly listen there's so many people here who know God who know the Bible if you're asking for advice don't ask your friends who don't know God <laughs> right? it's good I have a lot of non-christian friends but if I'm looking at for life advice I'm not going to go to them. I go to them to to talk to them, to have a good time, to, you know, strengthen our relationships. And I love spending time with them a lot. Some of these guys have known for 20 years. um, But I don't go to them (laughs) for advice about my marriage. I don't go to them to talk about advice for my career, where I should work, or how I should live. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Who are you listening to? Who are you asking for advice? Is it based on God's wisdom? Or is it based on someone else's wisdom? Right? Is it contradicting God or is it following God? Who are you listening to? Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Or stand in the way that sinners take. This has to do with position. <laughs> who do you stand with? right what are the things that you stand up for are they are are they things that line up with god's wisdom are they things that line up with uh fellow believers or do you actually stand with people who don't go to church at all who are you standing with the bible is challenging us who are we walking with who are we standing with and lastly blessed is the one who does not sit in company of the mockers right there's a progression First, we listen to counsel. We act. We do on it. At some point, it changes our mind. So we actually side with people who don't follow God. We side with people who don't love God. And we live the same way as people who don't love God. And at some point, we sit down. And we start mocking. And we start sitting down and just looking from a distance to all these people who follow God. And we just have our complaints we have our opinions and we just talk about them so there's a progression but blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the lord whose delight is in the law of the lord and who who meditates on his law day and night there's actually i found that the more i read the bible and the more i understand the bible the more i delight in it the more i actually want to read it The, the more i read it the more i want to read it and the more i understand it the more i want to understand it every beginning is hard but i believe that when we open our hearts and allow the bible to read us and read the bible there's something that changes in us Right? God, one of the things that God wants to work on us is, is in our delights, is in our desires, is in the things that we actually long for. And I, I found that this changes. When I've spent time with God, when I worship Him, when I read the Bible, my desires are different from when I just came to Christ. They are. They literally are. <laughs> Who meditates on His law day and night. That word meditate means to grumble. It means to just speak the word softly the whole time just say the word out loud the whole time and i know i know we have work i know practically we have conversations we can't grumble the word of god all the time but the picture is clear right the 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 picture is not read your bible get it out of the way and then move on with life but actually take what you read and take it with you take it with you speak it out loud keep it with you keep it on your mind that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. It's planted like a tree. A tree is strong. And I love that it says by streams of water. The tree is not planted in a dry place. It's not planted in a, a desert. It's not planted in a difficult place. If, if we read the Word of God, if we meditate on it, we become like people that are planted by streams of water. There's nutrition around There's water, there's life around. Like we read in the beginning, God breathed. The scriptures God breathed. Streams of water speak of life. They speak of the Spirit of God. When we're in the Bible, we find that we connect with the Spirit of God. We don't read the Bible alone, but we invite God to speak through it. And we find ourselves planted by streams of water. And it yields its fruit in season. Maybe, Maybe you just started reading your Bible. Maybe you've been in church for a while and maybe you're wondering where is my fruit maybe you're wondering when is the transformation taking place maybe you're wondering when can i leave my old life behind finally when when do i actually change like when is the breakthrough right when is this fruit coming when do i start becoming more gracious when do i feel that the holy spirit is actually working in me can i just say that it'll come in season it'll come in season your time is coming Just keep on digging into the Word. Keep on diving into the Word. Keep on reading the Word. Keep on reflecting on the Word. Keep on thinking about the Word. And in season, there will be a harvest of fruit. I can promise that. That when you stay in the Word of God, when you read it, when you ask God to work on your heart, fruit will come. And if you're wondering why it's not here yet, it will come. It will come. And whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers it's just amazing (laughs) whatever they do prospers because we're aligned with god we're aligned with his design we're aligned with how he sees the word how he sees our life we're aligned with it and whatever we do prosper